All right, here we are on this Monday morning. It's the morning tailgate. Thank you for joining us, everybody. It's Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor on assignment. As we're all here for you here in Las Vegas, Nevada. What's up? Let's begin the week together. 702-365-9200. An important number in so many ways. Text, calling, to win money. We'll explain later. R&R 920 AM on X. It's Lindsay and Clay throughout the week here inside the luxury studios here in Las Vegas. Luxury. It is awesome. Oh, we got everything God, we need. that's a buzzword. It's I a- see that on every billboard to describe any sort of housing anywhere these days. Everything's <laughs> a luxury condo, luxury apartment, luxury 100 square foot apartment in New York City that has one window and a closet and nothing else. Why are we so obsessed? Don't you, don't you feel that? It is like everything's know, luxury marketed right now. Yeah, it's almost like uh, it's like the 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 one kind of adjective that makes you feel like wow, this is worth that two hundred fifty dollar HOA payment. Well, you're payment. worth it, Clay. You're worth the luxury. You're right? worth the luxury. Anything less? There I mean, what be. are you, what are you wasting your time on? Right? You, you should have your feet soaked in some water and uh, and uh, people are giving you cherries and, and grapes and stuff, feeding oh. you. That should be luxury and fanning you with a parasol. That that's luxury. Right. But it's like. I was uh, I, I met somebody at a bar a couple weeks ago, and she uh, we're just starting to get to know each other through text a little oh, bit yeah? after that. And so she's like, "I'm Old really in, she wanted to let me know that she was into luxury." Interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just think that oh, you boy. and I are not on the same page, and we're just we're going to well, stop this text conversation and right now. Luxury <laughs> means different things to different people, right? Yeah. Because uh, things have changed as of late when it comes to uh, just. I think our definition of, of what's a privilege, what's nice. I mean, sometimes your dryer heater doesn't work for three years, and all of a sudden you realize how big of a privilege that was. Oh, if you ever had a right, if you ever had like a leak in your sink or something, and you got like you know, uh, you know, buckets and stuff underneath there, and you're constantly in this mode of like I'm refilling it and refilling it, and refilling it, you know, yeah. emptying it out. And you realize, oh, once you finally get that sink fixed, oh, I'm living in a luxury that I used to take for granted for the most part of my life. Correct. <laughs> but yeah, the dryer without the heat. That, again, I mean, self-inflicted. I understand. Who does that? I'm, Who does that? I am somebody who likes to like just hang things up and, and let them dry normally. But then again. <laughs> Sometimes you got to speed You speed need luxury dry that there. Stuff. Yes, yeah. you do. Absolutely. And I, I know in, in other places, dryers are considered a luxury item. But here, the, the convenience is king. Whatever gets us to work right. fastest is going to be a product that we are going to invest in. And uh, it's it's just interesting because the way that housing is right now, so much of it is rental market, especially for people my age. We're never going to own homes. I've already accepted that fact. I don't care about owning land or anything else. And so when you have like these exorbitant rent fees, right? I, I, have, a, I have a one bedroom, one ba- bathroom apartment that I've lived in since when I moved in there. It's since 2020. And oh, since okay, I moved cool. in... My rent's gone up about 400 bucks. Nothing mm-hmm. has changed until recently, you know, when I called in the dryer that was definitely working for the three years. And so was my uh, washing or my uh, dishwasher the, yeah. that wasn't falling out of the wall. <laughs> okay. But there's all these like little incentives they give you because this is a luxury apartment complex, even though it was built in 1984 and we haven't changed sure. anything about this. But look at this spa pool we have and this mm-hmm. workout room where the elliptical will let everyone know in the complex who's exactly using it. And it's just, well, here's a printer you can use, even though the ink's always out. Uh. But these are things <laughs> that they offer to That's these good. amenities, right? Mm-hmm. That, oh, well, we can charge another 60 bucks for this. And we can charge another 50 bucks for this because they have access to ABC. And, D, and I don't yes. even end up using it because half of the stuff doesn't even work. And I love the fact that even if it might be gated, Luxury. but it's still just like my gate is 
always broken. The gate's either broken or it's easy to figure out to get in or you just wait. Like, what? What? The, what is the security measure that you're giving me this luxury right, for? Right, this luxury. You know? Another thing that I've noticed since moving here that is very much, I think, indicative of maybe West Coast living. It's just not in the Midwest. It's not in the East Coast. Those are the only two places I've lived otherwise besides Ohio. And sometimes we like to forget those times. Yeah, I was at, at The Ohio State University, High Street, mm. many a trash can thrown up in. But Everything is a gated community here. Everything has walls. Even my apartment complex. Do I see people jump the wall all the time? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. But that's also a really weird concept, too, but it allows that, um, I guess it's, I, I would think it's probably a facade of of, of safety, and, and I know that some neighborhoods, they got guards, and they got guards with weapons, too. It just depends on how many pretty pennies you have. But it's just, it's such a weird little snow globe that we're living in, specifically in Las Vegas, but then just... Our, our world right now and, and just all, our reality versus what's going on in other places and all the different things that we're dealing with, all these stressors. But as long as that, as it has the luxury label, I'll mm. feel good about it. I think, you yeah, we kind of overlook the what is luxury, you know, and like what does it mean to you and I? But that's a that's interesting about like the wall theory in Las Vegas is one in which different than other communities, but because they've had a chance to kind of like, all right, we're very small, but we're growing exponentially. Let's grow it in this model where houses don't face the street. You know, some mm. neighborhoods do, but they are built in a certain era where, you know, they never expected the kind of expansion and growth you would see. But everything else, no houses, no domiciles face the street. There are walls that go around it and around. And, and all the houses look the same. Everything is colored in pastel. It's like communism in pastel is what it is. It's don't like, say that it's around like, here. It's like the Eastern Bloc. Everything is walled up. Everything is same color. There's very little differ- differentiation. And they feel like, all right. It, it, it kind of like makes you feel calmer or Desert something. Desert Rose Court. Right. Yeah. Wild Sun Way. <laughs> primrose Sale yeah, We Avenue. love a Primrose, yeah. Everdeen or not. We love a good Primrose. <laughs> it's pretty tasty, actually. But it's so bizarre because of, of just when this town was founded and, and in terms of industry where our country was, all the things. Because we know the dam was a, was a big project back in the day when we were trying mm-hmm. to get out of the Great Depression, right? Oh, and, yeah. And, it. It, and so there was the project excel, itself that paid for a lot of people's wages. And then there's the benefits that the that the dam itself offers. And, and then all of a sudden this town starts and then, you know, the mob gets here and then we have all these things. And it's just everything is so privatized here. I've heard somebody refer to Vegas as the ultimate mojo dojo casa house. If you've seen Bar, seen the Barbie movie, where it's it's literally just man's playground and everything is just kind of an overgrowth because <laughs> nowhere else is built like this. Where it's here's your strip mall, distill, uh, gun store, nail salon, uh, breakfast place, smoke shop, repeat, repeat, right, and then right. this one has a cafe Rio in it, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's just Taking such over. A, it's it's just so bizarre because it if you look at the, in the grand scheme of things this town popped up like this. And so all of these like weird intricacies like these these neighborhoods that are all walled up mm-hmm. or we're or gonna build everything the, the same way. The copy paste or the fact that the roads here they only develop more than one lane if there's a, a business reason to otherwise if there's just like desert you that <laughs> okay. lane gets reduced from three lanes down to one and then twenty feet later go back to three. It doesn't matter. That doesn't make any sense to me, but if you put on the hat of what Vegas is, which is the craziest business venture experiment probably ever done in this country 
it does make a lot of sense. A lot oh, of cost-cutting yeah. measures, or at least not until I know for sure there's money in this ground. Am I going to invest in it? Yeah, sociologically, it's an experiment that is it hasn't been figured out yet. There's no answer to it because it keeps growing and changing all at once. Right. All the many different people that live here and the fact that they, they're growing in ways that, like, all right, like you said, some roads will be, like, three lanes. You definitely need three lanes here on each side, but... This block here is only one, this and there's absolutely no one. paint on it. Right. And if you just turn off to the right, it's a dirt road. You know, it's right. so bizarre. We're, we're going to build the rest of the roads with a three-lane motif, but right in this one section, we're just never going to get to it. We're yeah. just, we'll, we'll figure it out later. And it's only until a business arrives, they're like, all right, let's expand it a little bit. Right. Not the millions of people who live in Southern Highlands need it. No, it's just because now we got to build this other you know, you know, mini mall so we can get the smoke shop business, Cafe Rio business, Correct. and everyone else. Business. We need another one. We need another one for sure and and another uh high-end urgent urgent care the er, emergency care basically right where it's an urgent care but it's an emergency room now so you don't have to go to the hospitals right there's two people that sit behind a desk correct but it's also weird too because i know that las vegas it being its unique ecosystem especially post pandemic and where we are with housing and affordable housing versus luxury housing you hear about well who's moving here there's been a lot of of uh, people that have moved in from California, from other states that are looking to escape high prices, high rent, whatever, money's really tight. And so for a place like this where money is still also very tight, but uh, what you have at your your disposal is also uh, at a low number too. And so that's where it's just, I feel like we're building a lot of these, these luxury apartments, mm-hmm. but I, I wonder how many of us can truly afford them. Truly, like honestly. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Oh, how many people are putting their, um, you know, HOA fees on a credit card, you know, because it's, like, yeah. you know, it, it's a pretty large amount of the overall nut to kind of get over. And it's like, I, I, I see it. I see it all the time. And that's why, yes, there might be 5,000 people that move into this town each month. There's also 2,500 that move out. There's that too. Because they can't afford it. It's like There's exorbitant. And you're built around this, this trust or this fallacy of luxury mm-hmm. that you're willing to pay for this luxury. It mm-hmm. looks nice. It looks clean. What more can I ask for? Because we come from areas that you know that look considerably different. So we're Very like, true. all right, I'll we're buy like, into all right, this. I guess this is just the way the Barbie dream house is built down here. Yep. And this must, this must be how it looks when I become you know, successful and luxury driven and all this stuff kind of builds into like, all right, well, what are we really looking for and how disappointed are we going to be when we don't get it? And it's almost like, as we kind of talked about, we'll get into it throughout the show about how disappointed is Raider Nation going to be if you don't find that quarterback in the draft, Right. you know, the hyper focus Or if you don't get what you think that you're paying for. Well, there's that. Right. And how you value certain things. And so, because like like you're just uh, starting to lead into about... It's Combine Week. This is a huge week for a lot of people, and especially for a lot of members of Raider Nation, because we know the positions that need to be filled. Mm-hmm. We know what this draft class is and where it is um, incredibly robust. And that comes with a little bit of, of price changing when we talk about how we value these these players and then what you're willing to give up for them, right? Because yeah, we- we're talking about the whole mm-hmm. farm. We're talking about the whole farm for potentially if we're if if they're going to go get one of these quarterbacks, and so if that is the decision that they go, you're you are peeling through every single minute aspect of this week to try to confirm or deny <laughs> that this person is worth that investment. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's like the last couple of years, Raiders were not in the luxury item business. No, you know, no. they were like, let's get the bills paid. Let's mm-hmm. let's figure out a firm foundation to like build up to something. And now oh, we got the tax return. 
And we're both uh, now making some money. And it's like, all right, you know, if we decide to go and make that vacation, this thing's got to be really perfect. And our money has to be well spent. Mm -hmm. You know, our commitment has to be well spent. Well, the luxury items that are in the combine, ready for the draft, the the Raiders have to do like their due diligence of like staying up all night on Kayak and Expedia to find the best possible deal. Yeah, and also use incognito browsers because you know those cookies will follow you everywhere. Yeah, uh, just bounce I, from computer to computer at this point. You know, I'm starting to lose faith in like the the privacy settings of the uh, of the new iPhone because oh. I'm like, you know what? I, oh, the new iPhone? Yeah, oh, like, I about the same old one. You talk about something in a different room, and all of a sudden you get targeted ads for you. <laughs> I thought I was going to be different. You're like, my I device changed. wasn't even in there, but it was still listening to me. It follows my voice now. This is why I don't have Alexas or any of the home speakers. No, no, I, I got rid of those. No, because when I started, it's not worth it. No, not at all. It's like I enjoyed the convenience. I enjoyed the luxury factor of it. Right, but I'm but sacrificing that's the exchange rate, convenience, or freedom, and privacy. There Adios, goodbye. All right, it's Raider Nation Radio, the morning tailgate. We got Eric Eager who's going to join us from Sumer Sports at 7.30. Can't wait to talk to Eric. He wrote that great story about the NFL free agency proverbs. We'll get into that as well as talk to Jesse Merrick at 9 o'clock about combine expectations for the Raiders. And we have a chance for you to win $2,024. We'll tell you about that next. Give us five minutes. We're back after this. Aww, you know it. You hear it. Pavlov showed us the way give you the exact directions on how to put some money in your pocket because Raider Nation Radio is starting your year off with a chance to hit the jackpot. Every Monday through Friday, you could win $2,024. Listen in for the Daily Cold that I'm going to give away in just a few seconds and text it to 702-365-9200 to register. The contest opens each day at 7 a.m., goes till 5 p.m. If you text us outside of those hours, it does not count. So you have to be here on time. The code changes on the daily, so make sure you listen to Raider Nation Radio all day, every day, so you can get that code and hit the jackpot for $2,024. All thanks to Lotus Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. And today's code word, Stardust, S-T-A-R-D-U-S-T, just like the casino. There's the bit. There's the bit, CB. There's the bit. No joke for that. I forgot to look up the movie because I'm pretty sure there's a movie with Robert De Niro and Claire Danes that was called Stardust or something like that that I was obsessed with about eh, 15 years ago. But it's Star something. I'm not sure if it's The Dust. The Dust? But the I, dust. Was, I was too busy watching Spencer Rattler highlights this morning to, to get that part of my job done. But, you know, priorities, right? It's a, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do, man. I, I have you know, to watch Spencer Rattler throw. Okay? I, I, I gotta find this Claire Danes movie because uh, De Niro and Pesci and you know Don Rickles and Scorsese in the movie Casino. It was kind of based Stardust esque. Yeah, yeah. They they did some scenes at the Stardust and uh, loosely based around that. But yeah, Stardust Michelle texted in. Pfeiffer was also in this movie. Robert, I'm just double checking. Now I have to know this. I one have to know caveat: this I can move on with my time. You can only text once per day. So text Stardust to seven zero two three six five nine two zero zero. All the Stardust, Stardust quests they get put yes. into a drawing. You could win the twenty twenty four. That's how easy it is. $2,024. So easy. All right. So what's this movie? I'm obsessed with this movie. It's kind of a fairy tale, romantic fantasy adventure film. I'm reading it off Wikipedia, but it has a bunch of big names, including Claire Danes. Uh, you got Charlie Cox, Sienna Miller, Ricky Gervais is in this, uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert De Niro. And then you have a narrator in Ian McClellan. And so it's a uh, film follows young Tristan, a young man from the fictional town of Wall in England, which is uh, a bordering town of a magical fantasy kingdom called, 
called Stormhold. He enters the magical world to collect a fallen star to give to his beloved Victoria. Let me just tell you, Victoria oh, ate S. Uh, <laughs> and, and on that journey, he discovers a bunch of other things. And so, huge fan of the film. And I'm glad I know that. I wish I would have confirmed this because I would have done the joke. But here's the thing. I can do this read again later. And then, then I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it real good. And honestly, this is probably something that I would use if if our job were <laughs> measured by combine in a way, like a specific set of skills. Yeah. You'd probably have to re- put get something put in front of you that you've never read before, read it very well, and then find a way to sell it other than the copy that it's given to you. Also with people yelling around you and TVs on and overstimulus and all this other. Like, that's how I would test are you ready to be a radio professional or nah? <laughs> Did you wake up eating your Wheaties? Are you ready to go here? Have you watched the 2008 Stardust Spectacular? Great film. <laughs> Highly recommend it. This summer, a star falls. The chase begins. I love it. You know what's going to be good when you see in the first clip of a trailer, Robert De Niro is steering a ship like he's got like, you know, like a wooden, yeah, you know, he's his like, character's great. he's like in a wooden ship and he's got like, he's holding onto the, uh, you know, the wheel and all that. I'm like, all right, I'm mm-hmm. in. He, he's we guy, haven't seen this before. His character in that movie is a guy that understands branding. And if you've seen the movie, you get yeah. it. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. So then you get the bit. But I, I could not recommend it more. Watch it with your kids. Great film. I haven't, I've never even heard of this movie, but oh. this is like, you know. This tells me that that, uh, jet fuel is very expensive and Robert De Niro needs to keep that money coming in. (laughs) So whatever it's going to take. Well, that's the thing is his his ship flies in that in that movie. So it's not a ship on the ocean. It's a ship up in the clouds. Oh, my God. He's a lightning collector. Oh, Mm -hmm. really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Are you talking to me? Lightning? You must be talking to me. Yeah, it's he's uh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. That's interesting what you said, though. Like, what is what are the impressive skills you do at your job? Right. You know, like, what? How would you how would you break it down? Because that's what we're doing with football this week. You're, right, you're right. watering it down to these these cone drills, these specific movements that are apparently mm-hmm. going to tell us whether or not you're 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 worth investment at this juncture or a later juncture. It compares you to your other peers, the yep. kind of skills you will find at the combine. How does that kind of like translate into real life? And it's. You know, for all of you listening out there, I mean, like you, uh, you have impressive skills that you do at your job that many other people have no idea right. what that's about and what it takes. And at the same time, you must be very good at it because you've maintained it. Mm-hmm. What are those skills? Because <laughs> a very specific set of skills, a very specific set of skills, and also like, what are your biggest challenges at your gig and the kind of skills it takes to like you know maneuver and to master for sure and to continue to rock on like you're all doing. Mm-hmm. Send that in at 702-365-92. And we'll also take calls on the same number. Eric Eagle will join us in about three minutes here from Sumer Sports. But uh, I, I explained, like, for me, like, I could never do what certain weight staff do with holding that one tray full of plates that are full with food and right. drinks. And they calmly walk around and get to their table. And before they do, they check on other tables while they're still holding that thing. Well, and what if somebody, you like, know? goes by them very quickly? They're on their way to the bathroom. They don't know where it is. They're looking around. <laughs> sure. And you got to spin out of the way. There's improvisation with that, too. And I wonder specifically yeah. about carrying all the drinks. And is it is it about where the cup is? is placed and making sure you're offsetting balance and then taking it off in a specific order? Is it about finger dexterity where you're spreading it out so it's like a wide base and you have, you know, support at each particular weight point? Do you lock it in at the elbow? Correct. Um, I've always wondered that. Like, I, I Where just, do you hold it? 
I have not been taught that set of skills. I want to know, but I know for me, if I show up there on day one, I'm holding that tray with two hands. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe know, you're a person that, that takes orders and you and you have the write down thing because just for backup. But how do you remember complicated orders? Like what what's your um, your brain process when it when it comes to remembering these things? And That's another going thing. about your job, your ease of job, right? Right. Like all right. Obviously, there's going to be code words for like uh, let's say chicken fried steak as CFS or something like that. But how, I I noticed some wait staff like they hardly write anything down. But they get it right all the time. They, they're they looking you in the eye the whole time. They're not even looking at the pad of paper or anything. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My working memory is garbage. <laughs> it would drop right out. There's so many other things going on, and you're not the only table I'm, I'm using. I would like, take I'm the like... laptop over them. Can you enter in your own order? Maybe that's why we're seeing more and more of those machines go out other than it's cost-cutting me- measures Isn't that incredible? Labor. Right. Yeah, like every Chili's will have that, hey, you could just order on the table whenever you're ready. Exactly. <laughs> Don't even have to flag us down. Don't need us for anything. I bring your drinks. That's it. And yeah. I bring the food. But other than that, you, I, we don't have any Talk other conversations. To Talk to the machine. Okay. I'm a nameless. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, I would still need to have like some sort of like massive training. Right. There's some jobs I don't think I could do very well, or, although I would want to do them. Or there's jobs where I feel like sometimes there's comfort in monotony and doing the same thing over and over, but some days you're really tired and yeah. it's almost kind of melodic, right? Where it could put you to sleep if you're doing the same thing and it's kind of this routine or maybe you're driving and I whenever I drive early mornings, late nights, I hate going through tunnels because it just feels like you're going through like uh, an actual sleep tunnel. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm just curious about these little intricacies of, of people's jobs where it's boiled down where this is a this is a skill. This is a <laughs> skill that I know that that's an essential part of my everyday job. And, and jobs look a, a, a lot of different ways, too. Yeah, it's not like we all have to do the, you know, uh, 40-yard dash or the cone drill or the mm-hmm. vertical jump or the bench press. 60 yard shuttle like we will get your thoughts on that and we'll go over through 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 the show but these are just as complicated as what they're going to be doing all mm-hmm. week long at the combine and with all the pressure that's in there and we'll talk about it like what are your particular set of skills if you will mm-hmm. we'll get your thoughts at 702-365-9200 eric eager will join us in just a few minutes here on raider nation radio Sex, text line 702-365-9200 I can't believe it, but Raider Mike has seen this movie. He was like, he's like, I've never, oh, he wants to find it. He's like, I'm a huge Bobby De Niro fan, but some people think I look like him. 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. My daughter was four when this movie happened, so De Niro's character is as Captain Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> he's fantastic. It's a, it's Mike, a how'd you do that so fast? It's a complete departure from a classic De Niro role, too, because as you said, we always think of Casino. We think of The Godfather. We think of that classic kind of uh, crime boss guy. And and in Stardust and Captain Shakespeare, Robert De Niro plays just uh, an, a guy that knows how to put on a mask. We'll say that. And and we appreciate Raider Mike bringing that into us. And again, we could not recommend that film higher. Also getting uh, some correspondence from Dan, who's out in Erie, Pennsylvania, hometown of Fred Blinknikoff. Uh, good morning, Dan. Really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, really do. Great on a Monday for Draft Combine Week. Clay's just getting our buddy Eric Eager on the phone line right now. Very yeah. excited to talk to him. Uh, he wrote an unbelievable article last week that I found uh, on, on Sumer Sports where, that he titled NFL Free Agency Proverbs. And so we we got into that for, for a good part of the hour, at least one of the hours on Friday. And so we had some questions left over for Eric. He joins us now. Good morning, Eric. You're live in Indianapolis, right? You're there to take in the sights, the sounds, and and the networking opportunities that the Combine offers? 
Uh, it, it's it's a spectacle here. It's it's uh, other than the Super Bowl, right, where you get to see obviously uh, you know all the great people uh, watching the the biggest game. I think the combine uh, is right up there as far as football events. Well, I love one of your first proverbs was the one that says winning free agency rarely equates to actual winning. <laughs> it's funny because there's so many stories and so much media and content that goes out like, you know, once the draft comes by or after free agency is over, there's always got to be lists and we're obsessed with lists. Who won the free agency period? And none of it actually ever really equates to wins on the field at all. And it's like you can go to recent examples, uh, late, you know, 10 year examples. What are something that stands out for you to like, all right. I want to go and find out who actually wins at free agency and what does winning free agency actually really mean? Yeah, I mean, I remember you know, way back, 2014, when the Buccaneers, you know, the first year under Lovey Smith, they went out and signed. For what? Firstly, they cut Daryl Revis, and then they signed uh, somebody by the name of Alteron Werner oh, yeah. uh, because he fit the cover two scheme better. They signed Michael Johnson uh, Clinton McDonald and Brandon Myers. And there's that picture of them, all four of them with their Buccaneers jerseys. And by a year later, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, Michael Johnson was so bad in year one for the Bucks that they cut him after the first year of the contract. The Bengals picked him back up. The Bengals got a comp pick for letting Michael Johnson walk in free agency the same year they re-signed him after the Bucks cut him. That, to me, like is like the number one symbol of exactly what we're talking about, where if there are premium position players, like so you guys are in Vegas, think about like Max Crosby. Max Crosby's never getting out of Vegas. And if he's getting out of Vegas, the, the, the Raiders are going to be trading him for like two first-round picks, yeah. right? So the idea that you're going to be able to go out and free agency and get a superstar player at a premium position like defensive end or quarterback or wide receiver, left tackle – it's just a pipe dream. And so then every other one of those positions where you can get a difference maker, running back, tight end, guard, like those guys aren't elevating you to a Super Bowl. They're going to be a component of that. But no one is going to laud the Vegas Raiders for signing the best guard in free agency, if that makes sense. So I think that that is like the number one emblem of this is just free agency has a purpose, but the purpose is sort of much different than what people want to make it out to be this time of year. Uh, and a lot of it is for the content, of course, which we love, but it, it, we have to be tempered in kind of our expectation of it. Yeah, it seems like that's where you make the supplemental moves, right, in terms of using that capital the best. And that's not exactly the, the most rosiest of things to talk about as a, a Raiders-centric show here, Eric, because they are flushed with cash for, for cap space, and they're going to go out, they're going to go spend some money. And so you, you hope that they take some of those bones that they had last year where you go out, get players like Robert Spillane in here at a, at a bargain deal, and then they work out really well. So much of our, uh, I, I guess, evaluation, is dependent on how much you're getting paid or where you're getting drafted. And so it's really hard if you're getting that big free agent deal to really play to that value, just considering how risky everything is in playing this game. But Eric Eager joining us from Sumer Sports. And you mentioned that tight end position. This is one of the other uh, proverbs that you talked about in your article in terms of free agency and and the developmental clock. I was fascinated by this aspect of, of your writing but you, you said that the tight end position, it's probably better to add them later in free 
free agency after they've had a few years of seasoning. But that kind of goes antithetical with what we've seen, especially here in Las Vegas. They went out and picked Michael Mayer early in the draft. We saw Dalton Kincaid also taken early on. Sam Laporta had a lot of success. The tight end is a hot position right now. So the data kind of shows something that's that's different than what we want. Yeah, I mean, and it's because the, the position, if you think about it from a physicality standpoint, you have to learn not only the blocking, right, which is a, a physically taxing thing for a young player, you also have to learn the route running. And, you know, a lot of the routes in the NFL are a lot more complicated. There's a lot more choice associated with them than there would be, say, in a college offense. So you have to develop in two different areas. And that's why when you look at the history of tight ends, right, most of these guys are either the are, – are good – a lot of these guys are good on their second team. You think about Greg Olson was a much better Panther than he was a Bear. Uh, even, you know, in Minnesota, Vasante Shanko is a guy who was a no one in, in New York and was a very good Viking. Um, you, you know, Eric Ebron was the top ten pick for the tr- Detroit Lions, had good years in Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, a, top, a recent example, a very good Viking – not very good for Detroit. They were willing to unload with him. And now you look at you know, the, the, the highest tight end that's ever been picked in NFL history, Kyle Pitts. I think many Falcons fans uh, are, are regret them taking Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase or even a guy like Justin Fields, the quarterback. And so it, it's hard because some of these positions you end up, you know, like tackle. Tackle takes almost as long to develop, but the benefit is that you get to – develop him and then sign him you're the first mover on that player the hard part about tight end is you draft him you develop him but then in free agency there are often players who are almost as good for half the price should the guy even actually develop and be a good player and so that's the hard part about tight end is the the reason you don't want to draft them high is they develop slower more slowly and and this is the big part good players are accessible in free agency the way that they aren't for positions like tackle and wide receiver and quarterback. Yeah, and I like that. And Eric Eager's with us from SumerSports.com. His great story about the NFL free agent Proverbs is that there are certain positions, and you broke it down between wide receiver and linebacker, that, all right, yeah, you can still find difference makers at non-premium positions, but you also outline, outline that, hey, look at the top wide receivers in the game. Uh, they were never up for free agent contracts. They were actually traded from Devontae Adams to Tyreek Hill. Exactly, and that and, and quarterback too. So if you look at okay, yeah. the top ten highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, there was a moment where Derek Carr was maybe top ten. Um, but for the most part, the top ten players at all these premium positions: tackle, wide receiver, um, even defensive interior, uh, edge. The only top ten paid edge in the NFL that was ever accessible in free agency was Von Miller. But Von Miller was thirty-two years old when he was accessible in free agency, and of course, Buffalo probably wishes they had that contract back. Uh, to the point that we're discussing. So it, it's just tough. Like, and, and so that's why when you're in the NFL draft and you have a, a bite at the apple in the first round, you don't want to be spending that first round pick on running back. You don't, you know, Josh Jacobs, the biggest example, right? The, the reason the Raiders have so much capital in, in cap space is because they didn't hit on any first round picks. And there aren't any guys other than Crosby and maybe Jacobs that they'd be willing to give second contracts to. So of yeah. course they're going yeah. uh, to have they're going to have cap space. But even Jacobs, who's a who's a phenomenal player in my mind, last year when Jacobs was up for free agency, there was also Barkley up for free agency. There was also Pollard, and now that he's yeah, got up right. for free agency again, Henry Eckler, all the like 
you don't even need to go back and give Jacobs a contract extension to keep a great player at that position on your team because there's other players available. Whereas when Max Crosby's up for free agency, you're not going to be able to access that kind of talent on the open market at all uh, this time of year. Talking to Eric Eager about his proverbs for NFL free agency. You can find that article at sumersports.com as well as all the math things. But you know me and math, Eric. That's not why I bring you in. I bring here <laughs> you in here for, for theory and for, for different things uh, in terms of imaginative ways to, to think about this game. And one of the other proverbs you provide is trades for veteran players are underused and undervalued. And I'm curious about your thoughts on why this is because I just don't think that disruption factor that I think a lot of people worry about in, in probably the previous day and age where there's players learning new systems that's happening in college on almost a month-to-month basis coordinators get changed all the time why isn't there more movement in that trade market besides you know moves for Christian McCaffrey because I think that I think that teams overvalue cap space if that makes so like the Raiders Mm. right now they have a lot of cap space a team like the Bears have a lot of cap space they did last year you're not going to be able to fill up that cap space with just free agents. And if you do, you're going to be doing so. You're going to be overbidding for players who are kind of mid, right? Mm-hmm. And so, why? And so, for example, everybody talks about that Amari Cooper trade where Dallas shipped Cooper to the Browns for just a fifth-round pick. And everybody's like, wow, Cooper's averaged 75 catches, 1,200 yards, and seven-and-a-half touchdowns the last two years. Why, why was he only available for a fifth? It's like, well, it's because Cleveland was able to take on all of Cooper's salary. The trade was not for a fifth-round pick. It was for a fifth-round pick and, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns taking all the cap liabilities off of the Dallas Cowboys' hands. And, and I think teams are just unwilling to part with cap space that way. But in an NFL where you have to spend up to 89% of the cap every, you know, on average every four years, I think teams don't look at distressed assets on other teams. I know it's weird to talk about players that way, but you look over at a team and like, this guy's unhappy. That guy's not fitting in the system. And instead of being like, Hey, I'll take that off of your books. You can be useful on my team. I, I maybe it's all only for a fifth or sixth round pick, but you have to pay up. I think some teams don't see that as being as valuable as they can, but it's a, in my opinion, a valuable way to use up that cap space. Well, that's interesting you bring that up because it also goes in line with like, all right, how are you spending that money in free agency? And and there are many times where we would hear, you know, Raider Nation complaining like, oh, there's more money out there. There's more money to go and get so-and-so. And, you know, that doesn't always equate to success. And he brought up in one of the other Proverbs, you know, optimizing for average should be avoided if at all possible because average is a transient state in the NFL. Explain that because you brought up your own uh, uh, ELO rating system and, and things that you've worked over at summersports.com where you've outlined the fact that even... Even certain groups, like even the Detroit Lions, as bad and as uh, misguided as they were, uh, they didn't stay average for long. Exactly. So what we did is we used what's called the transition matrix, and it was actually from uh, genetics where you look at, like, offspring and, you know, the classic earlobe problem where if, like, you and your spouse have you know, certain earlobes mm-hmm. and your kids will have earlobes with these percentages, right? And, and they're, they're go- <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, and, and or, or peas, you know, yellow peas and green peas and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, well, what about like being good, average, below average and and, and poor? And I, I built a transition matrix and basically said, if you're an above average team one year in two years, are you more likely to be elite or poor? And it's almost invariable that you're much, much more likely to be a bad team 
than you are to be a great team after two years. And in fact, if you're a bad team after two years, you're not all that much less likely to be a great team than if you are above average. So there's not a ton of value in kind of shooting for being average and just like hoping uh, in the Vegas parlance for like a chip chair and a chance yeah. to be great. Like if you, if you want to be elite, find the way to be elite and do what Detroit did, which is break it all down and realize that sometimes the path to the NFC championship game sometimes goes through three and 13 and, and, and not necessarily through nine and eight all the time. And that that's kind of, you know, and, and, you know, we see it with Minnesota, we've seen it with Vegas and good on Vegas for somewhat rebuilding this past year, but we've seen it with a lot of teams where you kind of like competitively rebuild, you go halfway in and it's like, well, there now are components of this team that aren't really in our worldview anymore. And it makes for a tough bedfellow when you're trying to get to the top, but you're dealing with situations that you didn't necessarily opt into all that much. Right, and so much of that has to do with developmental timing, too, because you might have some people that are on the, the back part of their career, but then there's young people that are coming in, too, and they need reps, but then there's holdover, and so there's just a lot of, of, of outside stuff that goes into making football go and finding ways to get teams from good to great, or as you're saying, bad to great. We're talking to Eric Eager from Sumer Sports again, and just to, to further go down this, this transiency, this optimizing for average, because there are teams that I think that fall into that cycle more often than not. And I know that that Minnesota is definitely one of them, but who do you think is best equipped to break out of that cycle? Whether that's with a new regime, with a quarterback, who, who to you has that best chance to redefine the imagination around this team and, and bring them to greatness? Well, I think, I think the easy one is Washington, right? Where you pick second, you have a new ownership in Josh Harris, you have a new head coach in Dan Quinn, you have a new uh, general manager in Adam Peters from uh, San Francisco when Peters was part of the team that took over uh, in San Francisco in 2017, they traded the second pick back for you know Mitch Trubisky and they picked third. Uh, two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, Washington has just had that stench of Dan Snyder. Now they 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 traded off some pieces. They have a lot of draft picks. They could take Drake May. They could trade up for the first pick and take Caleb Williams. They could trade back with a team like Minnesota and build around Sam Howell. There's a lot that they could do, and I don't think any of it is going to optimize for average. Oh, I love it. Sumersports.com, fantastic site. And uh, out of like the, the, the zeitgeist of rumors for the Raiders, people keep thinking that, all right, the Raiders will be hyper-focused. I've heard that word used on uh, looking at quarterbacks in the combine. Are there any sort of following like particular drills that actually set up the, the kind of skills that make a quarterback successful in the NFL that come out of Indianapolis this week? Well, I think the hard part is that the best guys, Daniels and, and, and May, uh, Williams and probably May, aren't going to be there. I just think you want to look at accuracy, of course. Yeah. Uh, that, that's big. Can you hit plays on air? Um, you know, whether or not the guys try to change his throwing motion or not. Uh, you know, we had the thing with Teddy Bridgewater 10 years ago now, which seems like doesn't seem that long ago, where he tried to throw without gloves at his pro day. Because, you know, the, it's, yeah. it's just kind of looking at that kind of stuff where you're like, is the guy on tilt a little bit? Um, but, yeah, like whether or not his, his movement, you know, his, his footwork, uh, whether or not he's accurate, whether or not uh, receivers have to adjust too much with him uh, okay. is yeah. all what, I, what I'd be looking for. But the other thing, and this is big, um, uh, and, and my colleague Tay Seth is, is going to publish this on our website, the big thing for me is how, much, how big are the guys? Is Caleb Williams 5'10 and a half? Um, because if he is, then that changes the complexion a lot because 
I think this NFL season, when you look at how Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes has dealt with injuries relative to how guys like Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and you know Bryce Young and guys like you know Kyler Murray have dealt with injuries, I need a quarterback who's legitimately a bigger per, a bigger player. And you know, at the combine, you get a little bit of uh, of a real dose of reality uh, when you weigh these people, and and the and the the PR people for a college don't go don't get to step in and lie. Talking to Eric Eager here, he says, uh, I think one of your proverbs would be if if it was around the draft, if you throw with uh, with gloves on, do so in the draft combine. Uh, learning from Teddy Bridgewater, but from an overall standpoint, do you have any other proverbs when it when you walk into this event, scouting it and and valuing it with the with the correct amount of weight? Because we know that these are are big drills. This is a big moment for these dudes, but they are just cones. There's no pads and and everything else. It's everything has a grain of salt, right? Yeah, everything's with a grain of salt. Um, I think that a lot of what these teams are figuring out, too, is going to be what we don't see, which is what they say to each other in these meetings. I know a lot of the interview questions that get leaked are ridiculous, but I do think sometimes you do just want to be able to talk to a player and see whether or not uh, he's, he you know gets along with people. I, I, my, my colleague, Tom, my, my boss, Thomas Dimitrov, he always talks about just watching how a guy gets along with other players that's going to be big with quarterback. I know one of the biggest busts in the history of the NFL, Jeff George, every time I watch NFL films, Jeff George is standing on the sideline 15 feet away from anybody else. It's like, that's not who your quarterback is supposed to be, you know? And I think you can uncover some of these very, very small, but very intangible and important things uh, during the course of this event. Author, writer, analyst, host, Eric Eager, Vice President of Sumer Sports. We're absolutely happy that you made time for us today because we absolutely love what Sumer Sports does, and it's right up our alley. We look forward to talking again soon after the, the dust settles, after the combine, as we approach the NFL draft. Thanks again for making time, Eric. Have a great trip. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for having me. Take care. Thank thanks, you. buddy. SumerSports.com, S-U-M-E-R, sports.com. I make sure that's a big part of your everyday learning because it's a model that is driven by, you know, engineers and scientists. I mean, the foremost, foremost group of experts in R&D of analytics and football, SumerSports.com. And it was honored to have him and finally meet him over at Radio Row. And, you know, he's right, especially for the Raiders in a certain spot like this for them, that there's a transition matrix for them where – you know, you can be like a, an average or below average team and think about making a, a big leap. There are many examples that do that. In fact, teams that are mostly above average, they're more more likely to be bad in about two years. Mm-hmm. For the Raiders right now, they're in that transition ma- matrix where they are starting over, not unlike how the Detroit Lions had to go and rebuild things with the right people. Yeah, and, and that's where when I try to think about that matrix and, and what gets you from that that lower right corner to the upper left, if I'm following the Punnett square correctly. And thank God I understood that part of biology and everything because I could do that all day. I love doing the genetics thing. I know. Remember the earlobes yes, things were so yes, fascinating. You're like, oh, the widow's peak or uh, in are that a, case is the hemophilia. Yeah. Are so you a fine. tongue roller? Correct. Can you roll got, your tongue, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But uh, typically that means you're, you're making big gambles, right? And from your quickest point a to point b is is taking a big shot and when you hit on it you look like a genius and when you don't you look like an idiot and so uh that's the ultimate part of this 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 aspect of this sport is the crapshoot that is the draft and ultimately you know the numbers matter the the throwing motion matters but how do you connect with people are when things go wrong because they will adversity will hit are you a type of person who isolates or are you the type of person that rallies people together, right? Because that's not just a quarterback's job. That's how you stay engaged, how you're able to, 
to be emotionally hygienic, how you compartmentalize. Meditation can help with a lot of that, too. And so uh, fascinating week. And uh, I appreciate Eric taking the time to to talk to us because I know that he has got numbers to crunch pretty much 24 hours a day. And he took 20 minutes out to hang with us. I love it, man. Thanks again to Eric Eager at SumerSports.com. We'll take a break. We'll come back, read some texts, and we'll also get your thoughts into the second hour at 702-365-9200.